The BBC presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space. was lost. The last we saw of him, he was walking along the lowest terrace of the pyramid-shaped city in search of Lemmy. Lemmy was found by Jet and me, but by the time we got him back into the living quarters of one of the land fleet trucks, Mitch had disappeared. So, leaving Lemmy in the truck to keep a lookout for Mitch from the driving cabin window, Jet and I again returned to search for Mitch. No trace of him was found on the lower terrace. And then, when our search along the next elevation was half-completed, Lemmy sighted Mitch on ground level, heading back to the caravan. Hello, Lemmy. Yes, Jeff. Has Mitch reached the truck yet? No, but he can't be far away. What's that knocking? I don't know. Ah, oh, that's him knocking on the door. Who does he think he is, the milkman? He must think the circuit's still broken. I'll open the main door for him, Jeff. And then... Uh... Oh, he's doing it himself. Well, will you be coming back into this truck and all, Jeff? Or are you going into the other one? Uh, we'll come into that one. It's got to be a bit crowded, isn't it? No, we can put up with it for a little while. Well, he's about in. He's just coming through the airlock now. And here he is. Hello, Mitch boy. Where you been all this time, mate? We've been so... Hello, Lemmy. What's the matter? Surprised to see me? You. Oh, no. Yes, Lemmy. Where's... The rest of the crew are number two. What happened to them? Evans was killed when the ship crashed. And the others? They're quite safe. But where are they? I've come to take you to them. Hey? Put on your suit, Lemmy, and come with me. Oh, no. We'll see what Jet has to say first. He gives the orders around here. Orders must be obeyed without question at all times. Well, of course that... What was that? Put on your suit and come with me. You take off your suit and wait until Jet gets here. We must be gone before he gets back. Oh, we must, must we? Well, I'm not leaving this place with you or anybody else until Jet gets here. Now move away from that radio. I want to talk to him. Put on your suit, Lemmy. Get away from that radio, McLean, if you are McLean, because although you look like him, mate, you certainly don't sound like him. None of us are ourselves anymore. Well, I don't feel like anybody but myself. Now, are you going to move out the way or do I have to move you? And don't put your helmet down there. There's a proper place for everything in this truck. Do you hear me? Now put your helmet in its stowage. It is not my helmet. The news is it? The helmet and the suit both belong to Mitch. And he doesn't need them anymore. Mitch? Then what are you doing with him? And what's happened to Mitch? How can he breathe? How can he live out there without his suit? He must be dead. He is not dead. How do you mean? But he will not be returning neither to you, to the fleet, or to Earth. I shall leave his clothes here. Now put your suit on and come with me. I'm not putting it on and I'm not coming. It is an order and orders, orders must, must be, be obeyed, obeyed without, without question, question at all times. times. Yes, but this is one time when they're not going to be. Now you're here, McLean, you're staying. And nobody's leaving this truck and this jet says so. Now get away from that radio. Do you hear me? Get away. And it's 
There's no point in looking at me like that. What, what are you trying to do? Now, keep away from me. Keep away, do you hear? Oh, oh blimey. Your hands. They're cold. It's stone cold. Hello, Lemmy. Jet calling. Hey, Garmy. Hello, Lemmy. This is Jet. Doc and I are outside. What? Close the airlock, will you? We oh, want to come in. Oh, no, you don't. Ah. Do take that. And that. That'll teach you. Oh, blimey, he's up again. Lemmy, do you hear me? We want to come in. Oh. Lemmy. I must get to the control panel. That settled you. Now, the switch. Sounds like the airlock's closing now, Jet. That's time, too. Hello. Jet. Lemmy, what's going on in there? McLean. He... Blime. Oh, you dirty... Lemmy. Lemmy, answer me. What's happening in there? to be McLean. He had Mitch's suit on. Yeah, Jed, it's McLean, all right. You certainly gave him a pasting, Lemmy. <laughs> Have I hurt him much, Doc? I don't know. Let me get my suit off and I'll look him over. How about you, Lemmy? Can you get up? I think so, Jed. I'll just feel a bit dizzy, that's all. Go and lie down on one of the beds. As soon as I'm free of this diving suit, I'll clean up your face for you. Yes, Jed. Yeah, Lemmy, now, how does that feel? Well, never mind how it feels... How does it look? Well, your cheek is badly bruised, but the cut in your head isn't very serious. Now, do you feel all right? I feel a lot better than I did before you gave me the drink. Jet, how about McLean? Oh, Doc's still dealing with him. He hardly seems to be aware of where he is or what's happened to him. Oh, you think I hit him too hard? Well, maybe, Lemmy, I don't know. Oh, I didn't want to hurt him, Jet, but I had to defend myself. Well, what happened exactly? I told you. 
He come in, he was wearing Mitch's suit. That's what made me think he was Mitch. Well, what did he do when he came in? He told me to put on my suit and go with him. Where to? To where the rest of the crew of number two are. Or so he said. All that is but Evans. Apparently, he was killed in the crash. Oh. Well, he didn't say where they were. No, Jet. Nor where Mitch was, either. But he did say Mitch wasn't dead. But that he'd not be coming back to us or to Earth ever again. Never. When he asked you to go with him, what did you say? I told him I wasn't going anywhere with anybody. And then he stood in front of the radio so as I couldn't call you up and tell you he was here. And then? Then he began to walk towards me, staring at me with those hard green eyes like he was trying to hypnotise me. But I wouldn't let him. I told him to keep off. But he kept at me and then he put his hands on my face and his hands were cold, Jet. Stone cold, like they was made of marble. And then I began to feel all peculiar, same as I did when I heard that noise. And then I hit him. And from then on, it was a straight bundle. And then you and Doc came in and... Jet, did I do wrong? No, Lemmy, I don't think so. You said yourself, the next time anything peculiar started happening, I was to fight it. And McLean certainly wasn't normal. Well, under the circumstances, I think you did the right thing. Had you allowed him to overpower you, well, goodness knows what might have happened. As it is, he came to get you, but we have him instead. Yeah. And what about Mitch? Have we given up looking for Mitch now? No, Lemmy, but the night temperature in these latitudes is too low for us to venture outside. We have no choice but to wait until the morning. Yes, sir. Well, perhaps by then, McLean will return to something like normal and be able to throw some light on this whole business. Yes, sir. Uh, get some sleep, Lemmy. After what you've been through today, I think you need it. Yes, mate. Good night. Good night, Lenny. Any change in McLean's condition, Doc? No. He just lies there, his eyes fixed on a point in the ceiling. He's in a deep hypnotic sleep, Jack. What? Yes. Anything he does is because he's told to do it. Now watch this. Yeah? McLean, sit up. Sit up, McLean. There. Good grief. No. Lie down. McLean, do you hear me? Lie down. There, see? But how did he get like this? Who did it? Yeah. Who showed you the orange light and put you into the state you and Mitch were in when I picked you up from the ice? Who got at Lemmy and hypnotized him? You made him think he was back home in London, you yeah. know. Whether he was led to believe that, I don't know. All I do know is that when a subject is put into the deepest stage of induced hypnotic sleep, there's a great widening of the memory. Impressions of childhood, of the past, are, are revived in the mind as though they happened only yesterday. Is that why when I came under the influence of that light, I took to spouting Shakespeare? Speeches I learned at school years ago. Probably. Well, I suppose he could account for Lemmy imagining he was back on Earth. But he doesn't account for that voice talking to him and trying to get him to take his helmet off. And it doesn't explain why McLean is able to walk about outside with no helmet on. No, it doesn't. But it does show, Jet, that whoever, whatever, is capable of conditioning us to survive out there in the Martian atmosphere must first of all get us into a deep hypnotic state. Mm -hmm. Only then can they persuade us to do things our own minds tell us we oughtn't to do. Yeah, like taking off our helmets. Exactly, it? exactly. It's a well-known fact that no matter how deeply a subject may be hypnotized, it's extremely difficult to get him to do things he wouldn't usually do. Hence the fight Lemmy put up in his dream. Oh, but McLean and Whittaker, they must... They must have been easy meat, as you might say, once they were caught. Seems they put up no fight at all, merely obeyed orders. What orders, Doc? The orders given to them by their operators, either orally or 
Telepathically. You mean whoever induces this hypnosis can get our men to do anything he wants without even seeing them? I don't know, Jeff. That's merely an assumption on my part. But if that's true, they can keep us or whoever they have in their control for years. In the case of Whitaker, 47 years. And how many people are there on this planet living in a dream and not knowing about it? I hate to think, Jeff. But unless we're very careful, there'll be a few more soon. Us, you mean? Unless we find some way of combating it, yes. But how can we, Doc? We don't even know what we're fighting. This much I do know, Jeff. There is nobody more difficult to hypnotize than an unwilling subject. If we're all determined to fight this thing, as Lemmy did a few hours ago, maybe we can render ourselves immune to it. If it were a physical thing, Doc, yes, yes. Up to now, everyone who has come under the influence of this telepathic hypnotic power has had prior warning. In your case, when you blacked out just before we landed here, there was that strange sleep-inducing sound. When there's no sound to be heard, there's the orange light, which McLean said that he'd seen just before number two crashed. And now look at him. Three days ago, he was a normal man, a member of our expedition, working for us and with us. Now he isn't even in control of his mind, does nothing unless ordered to. But who gives him his orders? Who sent him here to get Lemmy to leave this truck and go with him? And where would he have taken Lemmy? And how on earth did he get hold of Mitch's suit? And where is Mitch? Lying there on the bed, Jet, is the only man who might know. McLean? Of course. What hope of reviving him, Doc, of bringing him back to normal? I don't know. But even if I did manage to wake him, I doubt very much whether he'd be able to help us, Jet. Well, why not? Because a person as deeply affected, uh, hypnotically as he is seldom retains any recollection of what has happened to him when he comes back to normal. No. What are we going to do? I suggest we keep McLean here until morning anyway. And then? If he's sufficiently recovered to walk out of this truck, maybe we'll let him and follow him. He may lead us to Mitch. That's an idea, Doc. Now, look, you get some sleep, Jet. I'll stay up and keep an eye on McLean. Uh, You can relieve me in a couple of hours. I'll wake you. Hello, Frank. Morgan here. Hello, Jet. It's about the pictures we took when we passed over the canal you're camped in. You've developed them? Yes, sir. There's nothing but desert on either side of the canal you're in at present. Oh, we didn't expect anything else. But about 50 miles northwest of you, there's a group of what we can only take to be buildings with flat roofs. There's a large one and a couple of smaller ones a short distance from it. And nearby, what appear to be two large areas of land enclosed by fences. Fences? Anything else, Frank? Well, yes, sir. The pyramid, the city, or whatever it is. Well... We took a picture directly over it, and on the uppermost terrace is a large sphere. Not the same one you saw visit the wreck on number two. I think it must be, Jet. Then it did come here. It's been sitting up there, out of our sight, on the the roof of that city all the time. Apparently. Oh, nice work, Frank. That's the most useful piece of information you've given us. I haven't quite finished yet, sir. Oh? The canals. Uh Uh-huh. We passed over others after leaving you. They're all filled with the same type of plant as the one you're in. That's why they show up so clearly against the pink desert. They're all full of vegetation. I thought they might be. Well, thank you, Frank. That's a great help. Now, have all the information you've given me radioed up to the fleet and have them relay it back to Earth Control as soon as their orbital position is favorable. Yes, sir. And thanks again, Frank. I'll call you later, before it's light. Right. Well, Doc, 
Here we are searching the base of that place, and all the time the very ship we're looking for is sitting up there on the roof. Uh, that must be how McLean comes to be here. He traveled in it. Yeah. It must have been him, Dobson, and Harding who were in it when it visited number two for the second time, when Frank saw the crew of that ship. That's why they look like normal human beings. Maybe, but who was in that ship when it visited number two for the first time and carried off McLean and the rest of the freighter crew? The same people, if they are people, who left those peculiar footprints behind? That's me, Doc. McLean. Ah. The first sound he's made since his fight with Lemmy. Do you think he's coming? Coming round. I don't know. His body temperature certainly hasn't changed. It's still abnormally low. He's sitting up, Doc. Let's get over to him. No, Jeff, stay here. Let's see what he does. He's getting off the bed. Walking towards the airlock. Where are you going, McLean? McLean, where are you going? My orders are to return to the ship, and orders must be obeyed without question at all times. The orders have been changed. You are to remain here. Do you understand? You are to remain here. He stopped dead in his tracks. Go back to your bed, McLean. Go back to your bunk and stay there. Do you hear? He's going. You're able to control him, Doc. Quiet, Jet. It may not be as easy as it seems. Well, he's certainly lying down. And do you think he'll sleep? I hope so. <laughs> he's getting up again. Lie down, McLean. The ship. I must get back to the ship. The others are waiting. You must remain here. Now lie down. Lie down. Well, that seems to have done the trick. If at last. What do you mean? There must be great conflict going on within his mind, Jet. Somehow, from somewhere, he's been receiving orders to go back to where he came from. To that ship, on top of the pyramid. He tries to obey those orders, and yet at the same time, he receives mine. It's a question of which of us, me or the unknown something that put him into this state, is strong enough to hold him. Well, the odds seem to be in your favor at the moment, Doc. I think they'll remain that way. Why? Because, Doc, no matter how strong a hold that other power has over him, he's still a physical being. And so long as that airlock remains closed, he'll stay here, whether he likes it or not. You mean to keep him here, Jet, regardless of what he may try to do? Yes, Doc. We must. He's one of us. Well, he was, but whether he still is, I very much doubt. Well, that remains to be seen. But until we have definite proof of what harm our keeping him here is likely to do to him, here he's going to stay. Well, you may start getting violent again if you try to keep him against his will. Well, that's a risk we'll have to take. But he looks peaceful enough now, and we'll keep a constant watch. Later, when the sun has risen and we can go outside again, perhaps we'll take him with us. And, well, as you say, he may even lead us to Mitch. Maybe. And what if we find Mitch in the same state as McLean is in now? I hate to think, Doc. But whatever state he's in, one thing is certain. I intend to find him, and the rest of McLean's crew as well. from Frank had come through from Polar Base about two hours before dawn. From sunset on, I had sat by McLean's bed, hoping that some change would come in his condition. Meanwhile, Jet and Lemmy took it in turns to sleep in the only other bed available to us inside the truck. So, while I kept watch on McLean, either Jet or Lemmy kept watch on the highest point of the city, where, according to Frank's report, the strange spherical craft that we had been pursuing was situated in all probability, waiting for McLean to return to it with Lemmy. Hey, Lemmy. Mm. Lemmy, wake up. Yeah? What's the matter? It needs only 30 minutes to sunrise. I want you to continue the watch until dawn. Yes, Jeff. Oh, get up into the hatch right away. Right up. Well, Doc, 
How is he? Just about the same, Jet. Except now he seems to have forgotten about leaving here. He's made no attempt to get off the bed for more than an hour. He seems to accept me as his only control now. I told him to sleep. Do you think by keeping him here and controlling him yourself, you might cut him off from the outside control completely? I'm hoping so, Jet. Well, what chances are of bringing him back to normal, as he was before he crashed? I wish I knew. I don't know how he got into this state, and I don't know how to get him out of it. It certainly can't be done by any normal methods. I've tried them already. Oh. You mean he is, in fact, another Whittaker? At the moment, yes. But there's one big difference. Whittaker was up here on Mars and presumably in a similar condition for some 40 years. Now, McLean has been here a little more than a week. You think the time he's been under the influence of whatever it is might make a difference? Probably. Well, let's hope you're right, Jet. In which case, the sooner we get hold of Mitch and the rest of the Lost Crew members, the better. Hey, Jet! Doc, come out here, quick. Lemmy, you've seen something. You wait here, Doc. Right. Chet, come on, mate, quick. Coming, Lemmy. Now, what's the trouble? Look up there, to the top of that pyramid. That light. It must be coming from that sphere parked up there. What's going on, Jet? How should I know, It Lemmy? lights up everything as bright as day. Uh, it did. It seems to be getting dimmer now, but it's still very strong. Here, what... Hey, it's taking off. There it goes. And look at the rate she's climbing. Now she's just hovering. No, it's not, Lemmy. It's pulling out. It's giving us the slip. Oh, it's almost as though it's showing us that they know we intended going up there. It's heading directly southwest across the desert. Yes, mate. Lemmy, as soon as the sun has warmed the atmosphere, I'm leaving this truck and going into the next. Huh? I want you to remain here and drive this one. And take it easy over the bumps. Remember, Doc is still tending McLean in the living quarters truck behind you. And where am I supposed to be driving to? You fall in behind the other truck and follow me. Well, where are you going, then? After that ship. I'd stake my life on the rest of the crew of Number 2 and Mitch being in it. And we've got to get them back, Lemmy. We must. Yes, mate. I'm ready to get going a minute you give the word. Good for you, Lemmy. But first, you better go back to the living quarters and prepare a meal. And make it a big one. It'll probably be the only one we'll get today. An hour later, we set out, the two lines of trucks crashing their way through the jungle of curious plants. Soon, we were climbing out of the valley and once again began to make our way across the southwestern half of the Argea Desert. Once more, the treads of the tractors kicked up the pink miniature dust storms, and very soon, the strange pyramid city slipped below the horizon and was lost to our sight, leaving us completely surrounded by the gently undulating sand dunes topped by a huge mauve inverted bowl that was the Martian sky. We knew our chances of overtaking the spherical ship were slim, our chances of releasing its captives even slimmer. We couldn't even be sure that any of our men were in it. But where else could McLean have come from? And where else could Mitch have been taken to? John! John! What is it? What's the matter with the door? He's been going on like that for nearly 20 minutes. How should I do? Well, you better go out and see. There might be a dingo hanging around the pins. You better take your rifle with you. Ah, all right. Dog's only got to yap a little and you think it's dingoes after the sheep. Well, it's better to be sure than sorry. Hey, Bob! Bob! Now, drat the dog. I can't see him. Well, go and look for him. He can't be far. Ah, there he is. Hey, what's that? Hey, Martha, there's a man out here. Well, if it's that dingo scalp hunter no, again... No, he's not a scalp hunter. He's lying face down on the sand and Bob's standing over him. What? Oh, the poor fellow. He must be sick, John. Now, you wait here. I'll go over and fetch him. Here, drink this. 
Come on, Sam. It'll put new life into you. Hey, where am I? What am I doing here? I might ask you that. What are you doing out there in the sun without even a hat on? Where'd you come from? I'm lost. That's a bit of an understatement, isn't it? Last night, a, a dingo hunter invited me to his camp, and, and then he tried to kill me. But I managed to beat him off. And then he turned a pack of dingoes onto me, and I had to run for it. He said there was a cattle station nearby. I tried to find it. You did? This is the only station within a hundred miles of here? Yeah, but you only just made it. My dog found you outside, lying on the ground. You must be all in. I feel it. And you stay in that bed till you feel better. Oh, but I can't stay longer. I must find the others. Well, don't tell me there's somebody else lost out there. No, they're not lost. It's... Only me that's lost it. Well, I must find them. They'll soon be giving me up for dead. Well, who are these people? A jet, Doc, and Lemmy. You see, one of our ships crashed, and we came in this direction searching for its crew. A ship in the middle of the outback? Yeah, a spaceship. We set out from the moon last April. Landed here just over a week ago. You set out from the moon? Well, of course, to have taken off from Earth would have been impracticable. Oh, yes, yes, I expect it would. That's a funny-looking dog, isn't it? Well, he's no thoroughbred, but he's not all that funny. Looks more like an overgrown beetle. A beet. Here, have another drink and try to sleep. Maybe you'll feel better when you wake up. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I'll pull the curtain to keep the sun out of the room and leave you alone for a bit. You need to be quiet if you're to sleep. Look, I, I don't want to sleep. I, I, I must find Jet and Doc and... We'll uh... call up Doc for you. Maybe he'll fly over and pick you up. Oh, well, it's very kind of you. Do you know the frequency our ship works on? Oh, sure, we know the frequency. We use it often. Come on, Martha, let the man rest. Yes, John. He's mad. Stark raving mad. Saying that Bob looked like a beetle. No, Martha, he's got a touch of the sun. He's delirious. Now, look, I'll go out back and start peddling. You call up the flying doctor and ask him to get over here as quickly as possible. Tell him it's urgent. Well, what did he say? He doesn't think he can come until tomorrow. He's got an urgent case a hundred miles north of here. I don't like it, John. There's something strange about that man. Something uncanny. Oh, you're letting your imagination run away with you. He's been exposed to the sun. It's bound to affect him. Now, go and get him something to eat, and maybe you'll feel a lot better then. How are you feeling now? What's that noise? What noise? All that hooting. I hear no hooting. All I can hear are the sheep bleeding. Sheep? Well, of course, I told you I'm a sheep farmer. But they don't do anything. Have you had enough to eat? Hey, yeah, thanks. I, I feel a lot better now. Now, maybe by the morning you won't need the doc. Doc? Yes, I called him up like I said, but he's busy. He says he'll try to get over tomorrow. Doc said that? Well, you know how it is out here. One doctor covers an awful lot of the outback. You have to take your turn. Look, mister, it wasn't a doctor I wanted. It, it was Doc, Doc Matthews, or, or Jet or Lemmy. Did you talk to either of them? Uh, well, now, how about a little music? We had a new lot of records uh, not a week ago. Oh, uh, yes, go on, Martha. Put them on. You'd like to hear some of the latest songs, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Is that the latest song? It most certainly is. They're playing it on the radio all the time. Oh, I've never heard it before. You haven't? Why, that song's so well known, even the black fellas are singing it. You take it off. Take it off, do you hear? What's the matter? Don't you like music? We're only trying to cheer you up, you know. But that orchestra, it sounds old-fashioned. Old-fashioned? Well, I like that. Well, I never even heard the song it was playing, either. Well, you must be completely out of touch with the times. That song's all the rage now, the hit of the year. Of what year? Of this year, 1939. Uh, uh, What's the matter with him? What are you trying to do to me? I was only two years old in 1939. Now, calm down. You're not well. Aren't I? Or maybe I'm not. Or maybe you're not. Neither you or that dingo hunter I met up with last night. 
I tell you, it's a conspiracy. There's a plot to send me mad. Lie down on that bed. I won't lie down. Not until I get to the bottom of this. I said lie down. Well, I said I won't lie down. Martha, hand me that rifle. No, John, be careful. I said give it to me. Now, you keep your distance. Not before you tell me what's going on. What are you doing up here on Mars? What are you... That's where I am, isn't it? I warn you. And what are you doing with a, with a black beetle for a dog? A dog that whistles like a bird. Keep away. And what kind of sheep do you have that, that sounds like a lot of owls hooting? For the last time, stay where you are. Uh, and another thing... No, I... don't, don't! In episode 15 of Journey into Space, you heard Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs and Matty Head. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. <laughs>